Well, this morning I want us to think about heaven. I don't think the, the full message of Easter is communicated until we arrive at this point. The death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and then the significance, the impact that it has upon us as we come in faith. And ultimately, that impact is the assurance of heaven. But let's start at the beginning, literally uh, at the beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to take you all the way through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. But, but I think it's good to remember the story of the Garden of Eden and the fall and what happened immediately afterwards. Because it tells us in a very compact way the predicament of humanity. Adam and Eve, they've now eaten the forbidden fruit. The serpent is cursed, Adam is cursed, Eve is cursed, and the land is cursed. But it doesn't stop there. Now God bans them from paradise. We're told a cherubim, an angel, is set to guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden. And he has a, a flaming sword. I like to think of it as a lightsaber, but we've got a pretty good idea what a flaming sword looks like. And Adam and Eve, we are told, are not just asked to leave the Garden of Eden. We are told that they are driven from the Garden of Eden by God. And of course, as they look back, now there is this sentinel, this angel who will prevent them ever returning. And we're told the reason why that happened. We're told that they must be taken out of the Garden of Eden, otherwise they might eat of the tree of life. And if they eat of the tree of life, they will have immortality. And God says they must not have that. The story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve being ejected from it is a story of being shut out from paradise and our mortality, our death being made mandatory. So there they are, Adam and Eve. They are derelict, denied both happiness perfected and faced with the knowledge that one day they must die. And this becomes the norm for all humanity. God still loves mankind, but it's different now. There's a brokenness. There is something that it looks as if it can never be mended. And then the generations pass, the centuries pass, and then comes Easter. 
And we read in John 11, verse 25, that heaven becomes an outcome of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What happened at the Garden of Eden, I'm being shut out of a moment, is corrected at Easter. And Christians unapologetically hang their faith on this one person, Jesus Christ. And we just wonder and stand in amazement that God should die for us. And in the resurrection, that we should share in it. Easter is the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the message that we will be with God for all eternity. So let me give you some little pictures of heaven. That's the way I want to deal with this this morning. What is heaven? Well, firstly, it's a promise. John 3, 16, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Remember some years ago as a minister going to visit in the hospital one evening, uh, it, it was a man, he, he was dying. There were only days at best left for him. And as I went, and as you know, hospitals in the evening can become quite quiet. And, uh, and that's the way it was. So I, I was going to this single bed uh, ward and uh, as I approached, I could hear voices. And as I peeked around the door, I, I could see that it was the man lying in bed and his wife was with him and they were deep in conversation. And I thought it would be wrong to interrupt. So I, I stood outside not to. What was the content of the conversation? The content of the conversation was that one day they would be together again in heaven. And I thought that was lovely. That with death imminent, they could look beyond it. With hope and faith, and although there was going to be sorrow and sadness, yet you could hear there was excitement and delight in their voices. That's the reality of heaven as a promise. It's also a place. John 14, verse 2, it says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. That's the words of Jesus. It's a place, it's something real, something tangible. You know, many believers through aging and the decline of faculty find the familiar becomes unfamiliar. But I have often seen that the familiarity of their faith remains. And I find as I talk to them and I talk to them about heaven, they connect. The ward they're in or, or the nursing home they're in is unfamiliar. But when I talk to them of heaven, they connect. It's familiar. 
And very often I would say, you know, all God's children will be together in heaven. And they smile and welcome that because it is familiar. It's a place. You too sing a song. I know some of you young people now, you two's getting a bit old in the tooth, but they sing a song entitled, Where the Streets Have No Name. I like to think of that of heaven. You know, here in Belfast, if you ask somebody to address, you can tell a lot about them. You know, if they live in Cherry Valley or, or, or the Malone Road or, or somewhere like that. You know, and, and so your, your street name tells a lot about you. But I think in my understanding of that song, what we're being told is there's a place where the streets have no name. It doesn't matter your address. And I like to think of heaven in that way. Talk about diversity. Every tribe, every nation, every color of skin will be there because they have trusted in Jesus and we're together where the streets have no name. Another thing about heaven is that it's a party. I know this comes as a shock to Presbyterians, so. But it says in Isaiah 35, verse 10, And the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. It's going to be a party. And you know, even Presbyterians have been known to tap their feet at a racy hymn tune. Now that's a very slow beginning to go in terms of partying in heaven. But that's the place it's going to be. It's going to be a place of joy and delight. You know, funerals are sad events. They definitely are. And we understand why they are. The sense of loss can be unbearable. But for the believer, the best is yet to come. For the person who has died, who is a believer, this is not their worst day. It's their best day. Yes, on earth it is a goodbye, but in heaven it's a welcome home. We're having a party for you. And then it brings me, that word home brings me to another picture of heaven that we're given in the Bible. Let's think about home. You know, we all like our homes. And many a kitchen is a wee plaque on the wall and it says there's no place like home. When you've had too much work to do for one day, you might say, I've done enough for today, I'm going home because you know home to be a place of rest. Perhaps you've been out on a walk and the rain has come on and you've turned to your companion and you say, let's go home to dry out. 
because your home is also a place of shelter. Or maybe you're downtown in Belfast and you meet an unruly crowd and you say again to your companion, we would be safer at home because home is a place of security. That's what home is. A place of rest, a place of shelter, a place of security. The Apostle Paul speaks of home and of heaven. He is in no doubt what his preference is. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 that if he had to choose right then, learn then where he'd rather be, he knows what he would choose. And he says, I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, our homes are like tents compared to heaven. They are temporary dwellings here on earth which we will leave behind. For the believer, heaven is their home. Isn't that what the little song says? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. It goes on to say, that home is way beyond the blue. We like our homes. But one day, they will carry us out of our home. And where will our home be then? Where will we find rest? Where will we find shelter? Where will we find security? When Jesus told the parable of the house built upon the rock, he was saying, build your spiritual home on me. When Jesus came to earth, what did we manage to supply for him for his first home? A stable, a bar, a cattle shed. Will he reciprocate? Is that what lies ahead for us? Knowing us for what we truly are, have we caused a despair at what will be our final home? Will it be some sort of shambolic wreck? What lies ahead for the followers of Jesus? Jesus said in John 14, verse 2, "'In my Father's house are many rooms.'" I like the authorized version on this occasion. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. Our heavenly home. That is the outcome of Easter. And the thing is, we know how much we like home. And God knows that. And he's making a home for us. He's preparing a place for us. There's room for us in heaven as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of the Easter resurrection. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that the message of Easter keeps going on and on and on. It means something to us every day of the year and every year of our lives. We can cope with whatever life throws at us because we know we are secure in you. Even if our earthly homes should crumble and fall, we are assured this day of the heavenly home that you have prepared for us through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, we will see him face to face. And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.